0: have your Bibles, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 7, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 5, and get out a pad of paper, not a pad, you won't need a pad, you just might need, I don't have a pad worth to say, but you might just take a few notes this morning, and before you do, as we're getting ready to dive into God's Word, i I, you know, some of you have been asking about the legacy offering, and I just want to let you know what we have received. If you have not been here, we are partnering with United Church to plant a church in the first week of February in the Forest Hill area, and so we've, we've heard from Adam Martino, the pastor, he's gathered a group of people. Every baby needs a parent, and so we're going to be its parent. We're going to support them, come alongside of them, invest them, and we took up an offering last Sunday. Our goal was $70,000, and we are right at, as of Monday, this past Monday, we are at, right at $69,000. Can you say Amen to that. So that is exciting. So thank you for all who gave. We appreciate your generosity and your willingness to sacrifice and to give. And for you that didn't give, all you got to do is write a check for $1,000 and it'll make up the difference. So you've been waiting to know. So everybody has not given yet $1,000. That's three zeros. And, and man, will take care of it. And I, I say that funny, but I do say if you've not given and you want to be a part, We will receive it until the end of the year. So just make sure you say Legacy Offering. And then the last Sunday in January, we're going to present a check to Adam Martino and the United Church on behalf of Clover Hill and your generosity. So it's going to be a great time. Then you heard Christmas Eve, three services. We have a train coming. And I mean, like, it could be 60 like it is today or 20 like it was yesterday and it's not going to hinder it cuz it's inside. We have a track that we're going to use. I mean it's one of them trains like short pump. So if you get here early, your kids can have a train ride. I don't know how it's going to work out logistically, but we're going to try it. And so no no adults on it, but all kids are welcome, but you got to come early. And then we'll have our snow. It's always a fun. We'll sing Christmas carols. I'll bring a short word. Bring a friend about 55 minutes. You it'll it'll be a highlight of your Christmas season. I, I pray. <laughs> I was going to say I promise, but I'm not sure. I pray that it'll be a highlight. And then one, one more thing. Can you take one more announcement before we get in the Word? We have our 21 days of prayer and fasting coming up. We do it every year. And we will have service on January 1st. I can't think of a better day to start off the year than being with God's people, in God's presence, in God's house. So you might not watch, want to watch the ball fall, but you'll want to be in, in, in the house of God on January 1st. On the second, we will start our fast, and uh, all that fasting is it is it is it's it's a decision to set aside some food for a period of time for a spiritual purpose. And and some people it, here's what the Bible says: Matthew six. It says when you pray, when you give, and when you fast. We understand. I think we do giving. We really understand praying at times, but we struggle with the fasting. We think fasting is just for radical people, but we have called radical what is normal in the New Testament, and and it is it was a it was a Practice a discipline that it was expected that we would do. And so, some of you uh, have chosen to fast a day a week, a a meal a day, three days out the gate, and then some kind of partial fast. All the resources you'll need are on our web page. You can find out about fasting, you can study it, you can uh, listen to sermons about it, uh, you can get prepared to do it. And I know you're probably not thinking of fasting right now. In fact, you're thinking of that peanut butter ball that your wife made and you're going to eat after church today. But I want you to start gearing up and getting ready and asking the Lord, God, what would you have me to do during this fast? And we want to reprioritize, reset our hearts to what you want to do in our lives. We'll have prayer every morning at 7 in this building. We have have developed a, a prayer, a devotional guide for fasting and prayer. Eric Brown, one of the guys on our staff, found 21 times in Scripture where somebody fasts. And so he's given the story with a key scripture, and then prayer points that we want everybody to use on this journey. It's on the webpage, it'll be available for purchase, $3, uh, not next week, but the first Sunday of the new year, and this is what we'll use when we gather together for prayer. We'll also have Wednesday night service, three guys, three outside voices, young guys that, I, that I've that i been mentoring and, and uh, have a close relationship with. We'll speak there. Great speakers speak on Wednesday night. And we're just going to have a time of renewal and, and resetting. You'll want to be there. This morning, we are in Second Corinthians chapter 7. Don't let the screen fool you. That's not 5, it's 7. 7, 5, and 6. So just make, make note of that. Here's what Paul said. When we arrived in Macedonia, there was no rest for us. All right, what does that mean? And let me give you the context uh, Paul's not talking about he had a little insomnia or he didn't sleep well last night. Paul had just come out of a situation where he had put a whole city in a riot. There was this guy by the name of Demetri- Demetrius. I don't even know if I'm saying that right. We'll just call him D. And D had this business of building these shrines for a false god, Artemis. And he would build these shrines and he would sell them. And he got so good at it that he he, and, he got other silversmiths to join with him. And they had this great business going. As people would come to the temple to worship this false god, they would sell them these shrines and these, these tools to use for worship. And so they were making a lot of money. And Paul comes on the scene and says, hey, there's no other God but Jehovah God. This is a false God. Artemis is not even real. These shrines are fake. They're not going to do anything for you. And it put, I mean, these silversmiths, go, they go postal. They're ready to kill him. The city is in an uproar. They drag Paul to the city square. They bring out the courts in, in this, I mean, there's yelling and cursing and, and spitting. And there's just and that, a lot of people don't even know what they're angry about. There's just this commotion and this chaos that's in this city. And miraculously, Paul gets delivered. They don't do anything to him. They let him go. And so he, so he leaves there, and he, and he gets to Macedonia. So he's coming out of this, I mean, just this unrest and uneasiness. And he finds a group of people, and he starts sharing with them what's going on and sharing the gospel with them. And, and I don't know if you've ever preached, but one of, one of my things that is not very encouraging when I'm preaching is if somebody falls asleep. That's, you know, that's not like... Yeah, that's great, man. I'm so glad I gave you. I know this is a place of peace and rest and tranquility, but it's really best if you don't fall asleep during the message. And Paul, not only did somebody fall asleep during his message, but they were sitting on a windowsill on the second story. They fell asleep. They got so deep in the REM that they fell out of the window and they died. Again, Paul's not saying, that's awesome, man. I I mean, for a preacher, that is not a very good thing. Fortunately, he goes down and prays for him, and he gets healed. But unfortunately, Paul was still dealing, I'm sure, with, man, is my message not connecting? Why are people falling asleep? Why are people dying while I preach? They're supposed to be living, not dying. What's going on? And then he constantly has to defend his motives and his character and his message, and and there's this constant pressure and, 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 and there's a plot to take his life. And so when he arrived in Macedonia, it wasn't like I'm tired. I haven't had sleep. It's like there is, there is some stuff going on in my life. And he says outside there was conflict from every direction. You ever, you ever felt like that? I, I like to say battles on the outside and there was fear on the inside. There, there, I don't, again, man, I don't know what, what you're, di- maybe there's a financial struggle in your life, and there's just these battles, they're, they're calling, how am I going to get the money to them, how am I going to make ends meet, how am I going to make it through this, this month, there's fears on the inside, maybe there's a job security issue where you don't know how long your job is going to stay, maybe you have some rebellious teenagers, and there's just battles on the outside. I have four kids, raised two boys. They're 20 and 23 now, and now I have a 17-year-old girl. A 17-year-old girl is different than a 17-year-old boy. That's, that's just all I'll say. There are battles on the outside, and there are fears on the inside. I'm trying to navigate how to, how to be the best dad I can be, how to hold on to her, but not crush her by holding on too tight. It's a it it's it's been a real it's a struggle at times, and I got I got what everybody else is doing, what everybody else is saying, and what I'm feeling on the inside. It's like, am I doing this right? Am I going to ruin her? Is are we going to make it through this? Just battles on the outside, fear on the inside. Maybe there's loneliness or depression. Is this going to be like this forever? Maybe you've got a God given dream, but you're living in present reality where they're not they're not the two are not connected, or they're not aligned, and it just. This battles on the outside and fears on the inside. And this is what I know about Christmas. Christmas is a magnifier. It's the season. It either magnifies your blessings or it magnifies the pain. If things are going well, Christmas is a great season. It's a, it's a season of giving and getting and being apart part with family. And It's just a great season. You don't mind the, the crowds or you bear the crowds. You, you put up, you love the I mean, it's just a good thing because it magnifies the good things that are happening in our lives. But if you're in a painful situation right now, it can, really, it can really make that so big that you don't even know how you're going to make it through this Christmas season. Some of you have a new normal this season, that, that, that what your Christmas last year, somebody's not going to be there. Some part of it's been ripped out. There's hurt, there's pain, there's challenges, there's difficulty. There's battles on the outside and fears on the inside. And Paul said, and this is where I want us to go, Though we have these battles and though we have these fears, and really all of us have them, I, I was listening to Oprah and she wrote it or somebody quoted it or somebody said it, but she said every person that she's ever interviewed, without exception, after she got done, and she's interviewed the, the, the most powerful, the most athletic, the most gifted, the most wealthy, she's interviewed everybody, and their, their one common comment after the interview was, was Oprah, how did I do Because there's these insecurities, it doesn't matter how confident you appear on the front, there's always this desire to please, or or this desire to to do good, or make it right, or or to complete the goal. Battles on the inside, fears on the outside, and here's what I want us to get. But God, and that changes everything. And I want you to have an encounter with God today. I, I I hope today's word will minister to you, and I hope our worship inspired you. But I want you to have a God encounter today. I want him to give you a fresh revelation of who he is. Because what is God? Who is God? What does God do? He encourages those who are discouraged. That's one of his things. He's an encouraging God. This is what I want you to know. We have an encouraging God. Write that down, will you? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world. You're not going to make it. You're not good enough. Your past is going to determine your future. Your destiny is already resolved. That failure is one too many. You're not going to get up from this one. You're not going to make that one. God doesn't accept you. God doesn't love you. That's the voice of the enemy. That's not the voice of God. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. God did not send His Son into the world to tell you how bad you are. But through Him the world might be saved. But to tell you there's a way out. To tell you there's a better life. To tell you there's a new way. Jesus is an en- God is an encouraging God, and you, you got to know that. You go all throughout Scripture. He came to Moses. Moses is on the backside of a desert. He's struggling. Battles on the outside. I killed somebody. I fears on the inside. They're going to find me. I've I've, I've been. I have studied in the highest schools, the best schools, but now I'm on the backside of a desert tending sheep. All my potential is ruined. All my, my future is gone. And, and God has a visitation with it. He says, Moses, I want you to go back to the Israelites, and I want you to free them from the Egyptians. And Mo, immediately, you got the wrong guy, God. You forgot my past. And God says, I don't want to, I, I, yeah, you're right. I want to redeem your past, and I want to use it for God's glory. I want to do something with you, Moses. I'm not done with you yet, Moses. Go back and tell that wicked king Pharaoh that I've got something better for the Israelites, and I'm going to equip you and empower you and enable you to lead those children out of bondage into freedom because God is an encouraging God. Battle's on the outside. And I'm going to be repetitive this morning, and it's on purpose Because I want you to get a few things that will stick in your spirit. Fears on the inside. But God, who encourages those who are discouraged. Gideon and and the Israelites at Gideon's time were under the, the dominion of the Medes. And they were cruel and wicked. And so the people of God began to cry out to God. God, we need your help. God, we need deliverance. And God in his mercy showed them grace. And God came to Gideon. And he spoke to Gideon and said, Gideon, you mighty man of valor, you mighty warrior for God, you man of courage. And Gideon, I mean, he's looking around. Who's God talking to? I'm the run of the litter. I'm the least in my family. You're not talking to me, God. That's what God does. He's an encouraging God. He raised Gideon up to, to deliver the people from those evil oppressors, and, and God used him in a mighty way. With a vo- Here, look at the life of Jesus. You remember Jesus stepped down from glory, left his position in heaven, came to earth like one of us. And, 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 and he knew what was before him. He knew the mission that God had called him to. He knew that he was going to be on the cross. And battles on the outside, fear on the inside, fully God but fully man. He, you don't think he struggled? He struggled. This is going to hurt. This, this, this is going to be hard. God, I don't know if I want to go through with this. Battles, struggles, fears. And when he went to get baptized, he goes up under the water. And he comes out and he hears a voice from heaven. This is my son. In him I am well pleased. And some would say, well, that was for the crowds. God wanted everybody to know that that was his son. And it was just confirming the touch of God on his life. And I would would argue contrary that those words were for Jesus. Because God is an encouraging God. And Jesus would need those words when the soldiers were spitting on him and his disciples were leaving him and the crowds were mocking him and, and, his, and his body was being broken for us. And when he was hanging on the cross, he would need those words to echo loud and strong in his heart and in his mind that I am pleasing to the Father, that I am accomplishing in his will, that he, that he is mine and I am his. And what I'm doing has value and worth and I'm fulfilling the purposes of God. God is an encouraging God. God battles on the outside, fear on the inside, but God, what, what is encouragement? Encouragement means, and I took several definitions and tried to make it my own, it means to build confidence. You, you're insecure, you're, and I mean, I think, again, we all wrestle with it. I mean, if we're honest, yeah, I, and we all have different levels of it, but God wants to build confidence in your life. He wants to offer you hope. That's encouragement. He wants you to leave here knowing that your best days are yet to come. That God God has got something for you, and in this season, He wants to reassure your acceptance that you're fully loved and fully accepted. He wants to infuse courage into your heart and inspire resilience in your faith. He's an encouraging God. He wants to encourage you today. And so, Paul said, Battles on the outside. When we got to Macedonia, all hell had broke out against us, fear on the inside, but God who encourages those who are discouraged. And and can I pause right here? I'm going to f- continue this verse in just a moment. But there are some times in your life where you've got you to learn to encourage yourself in the Lord, where where you've got to be able to You've got to preach to yourself. You've you got to look yourself in the mirror and, 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 and quit living. And again, I don't, I'm trying not to say this insensitive or without care, but... But you've got to look past your problem and look at your God. You've got, to, you've got to get out of that pity party and start encouraging yourself and building yourself up and offering and speaking words of hope and acceptance and infusing courage and inspiring resilience in your own life. There, there, there's a story of David, and, and he has become king, and he was uh, moving along as the king, and people were rallied around him. And he had partnered, he had allied with another nation. And together they were taking great ground and doing some great things. Well this other nation had new leadership and the new leadership didn't want anything to do with David. And they didn't trust him, they didn't respect him, they didn't honor him. David had partnered with him for years, he'd given his life for him, he had committed to him and now all of a sudden they wanna break alliance, they wanna break allegiance, they they wanna break fellowship, break relationship. Because of their misunderstanding and mistrust of David. And so, so he battles on the outside. I mean, the conflict and this stuff that he's dealing with. And when he gets home, another nation had come into his neighborhood and destroyed the city. They would burned all the houses. They would burned all the places of business. And not only that, but they had, they had taken into captivity all the wives and all the kids. And so he battles on the outside fears on the inside. Am I ever going to see my kid again? Am I ever going to be with my wife again? Are these people ever going to trust me again? How are we going to bounce back from this? How are we going to make this? How are we going to do this? Well, the book of Samuel says, and David was greatly distressed, and rightfully so, for the people wanted to stone him. You're our leader. You've got us in this mess. We're going to kill you. But David encouraged himself in the Lord. Here, here's, here's what you got to know. Point number two, sometimes you have to just encourage yourself. Why? Because there'll be battles on the outside and fears on the inside. And one of the most spiritual disciplines you can you can develop or you can practice is to encourage yourself in the Lord, where you just say, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. There's battles on the outside, but God's working for my good because I love him and I'm called according to his purpose. There's fear on the inside, but he's never going to leave me nor forsake me. There's battles, there's fears, there's struggles, there's doubts, but his grace is sufficient and his strength is made perfect in my weakness. In fact, when I'm weak, that's when he's the strongest. You've got to encourage yourself in the Lord. You've you, you got to develop that discipline. There'll, there'll be times where I'll preach on Sunday morning and I just felt like I didn't connect and, and it's just a, it was just a struggle. And, and I didn't communicate what I felt like I was supposed to communicate. And, and I mean, it, it's discouraging. It's hard. So whatever your, your, your line of work is, somehow you can relate it, I'm sure. Maybe not speaking, but whatever. You just, you just fell flat. You didn't do it. You didn't, you didn't hit it. You didn't make it. And I, I mean, I'm, it's just not a good. And Monday's always the worst day. Because Monday, you're always thinking about what you should have done. You, man, where was everybody? Why weren't there better tenants? Why was this bad? Why? Where was these workers? Why didn't this? And so you're just stressing. And so oftentimes on Sunday, I'll will call my my cell, I'll call my phone at work, and I've told some of you this before, but. But I'll leave a message for myself. Because sometimes you just got to encourage yourself in the Lord. And I'll say, Pastor, you are the best preacher I've ever heard. And I just, I just want you to know that you blessed my life yesterday. And you've made me want to serve Jesus better. And, and, and then I'll go, I'll, go, you know, I'll, I'll go back, whatever I do that day. And I'll get there Monday morning and my message light will be beeping. And I'll hit play on that thing. And I'll hear those wonderful words. You are the best pastor I've ever had. Your preaching is incredible. You are doing such a marvelous job because sometimes I can't wait for other people to encourage me. I've just got to encourage myself in the Lord. Sometimes you just got to encourage yourself in the Lord. Right, Greg Groeschel is one of my heroes, one of the guys I follow, read, listen to, and, and he encouraged me in one of his sermons to write down a declaration and speak it over your life every day as a means to encourage yourself in the Lord. And so I took some stuff and I added some of my own, but I came up with a declaration. I just try to say this in my prayer time. I confess Jesus is my Lord, my Savior, and my friend. I believe he wants what's best for me, a redeemed past, a fulfilled present, and a promising future. I exist to live for and glorify him. My wife is my top priority, and I will lay down my life to serve her. My kids are my legacy. I will walk up right before them, tap into their, to their potential, and daily challenge them to love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. I love people and believe the best about them. I trust my Heavenly Father to fill me with His Spirit and lead me in the truth and to empower my life to live above sin and not carry out the desires of my flesh. I'm growing closer to Jesus every day. Because of Jesus, my family is closer, my body is stronger, my faith is deeper, and my leadership is sharper. I'm anointed and empowered and equipped and called to reach people far from God. I will count it all joy whenever I encounter various trials because I know God is maturing me and completing me. This world will be better and different today because I serve Jesus. Whenever whenever you hear the voice of the enemy that says you're not going to make it, you'll never measure up, you're not going to change, When you're feeling disillusioned and disappointed and distracted, I'm telling you, you don't have to stay there. You can encourage yourself in the Lord. Today I'm going to live for Jesus. I'm filled with the Spirit, and greater is He that is in me than he that is in the world. The same Spirit that rose Christ from the dead is going to quicken my mortal body. Battles on the outside, fears on the inside, but I'm a child of God and seated with Him in Christ and saved by His grace. I'm more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. I've been freed from the law of sin and death. I've not been given the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I choose not to worry, but to cast my cares upon Christ because He cares for me. I'm the head, not the tail. I'm above, not beneath. I'm redeemed from the cross to the curse of sin and sickness. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Sometimes you gotta encourage yourself in the Lord. Sometimes you gotta speak things over you as if they were. You've got to speak in faith. You've gotta know you serve an encouraging God. And that sometimes you got to encourage yourself. Let's move on to the next verse. Uh and it says battles on the outside, fears on the inside. But God, who encourages those who are discouraged, remember that 2 Corinthians 7, not 5, encouraged us by the arrival of Titus. I, I, it doesn't give us insight into what Titus said, what Titus did, what Titus was about. All we know, Paul was experiencing battles on the outside, fears on the inside, and God encouraged him by sending another brother. To speak into his life. And here's what I want you to know. You need to know God's an encouraging God. You need to know sometimes you got to encourage yourself in the Lord. But you also need to know you need to be an encourager. You, you, you need to be a voice of encouragement in the lives of others. You'll, and here's, here's what I want you to write down too. Because you'll never know what God can set in motion with a single word of encouragement. You'll, you'll never ever know. I, I think of the Apostle Paul when he got saved. And, and he wants to preach. He wants to be involved in ministry. And Paul, I mean, he would killed Christians. He put them in jail. He was the most feared adversary of the church during that day. And he gets saved, and now all of a sudden he wants to be a part of the church. And the disciples are like, no way. Paul, you... you it's too early, you, we haven't even seen, you've not proven yourself, We're, you, you're just going to disguise and infiltrate us, and you're going to destroy us, you're just trying to get insider information, we, we don't trust you, we don't want anything to do with you, until Barnabas stepped in, Barnabas' names mean son of encouragement, I wish all of us that that word, that description would describe all of us, sons and daughters of encouragement. Where we, where we sowed into people's lives. Barnabas comes along and starts building Paul up. I, I, man, God's doing some great things in your life. I really see the change. That's amazing that, that God was able to do that. Paul, that's a great revelation. You're really hearing from the Lord. Man, I love your prayer time. And God's going God's to redeem what you've been through, and he's going to really use it for his glory. Paul, I'm excited about your future. I know what you've done in the past, but God has some great things in store for you. Paul. I mean, he's thinking, okay, I can do this. And Barnabas doesn't stop there. He goes to the other disciples and say, Hey, I've been with Paul a long time. He's the real deal. He's not false, phony. He 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 is. He has had an encounter with God. He's been changed. He's been transformed. He will benefit us in what we're trying to accomplish. We need to accept him to make him one of us. I just, here you'll never know what can be set in motion with a single word of encouragement. I wonder if Paul would have wrote the third. The third of the New Testament if Barnabas wouldn't have been there to encourage his life. I wonder if God would have had to use somebody else to plant all these churches because there was no source of encouragement in his life. You'll never know what God can set in motion with a single word of encouragement. Encouragement builds confidence and offers hope and reassures acceptance and infuses courage and inspires resilience. When I first started preaching, I had a pastor by the name of Dave Daniels and he's my hero, and I love him. If for nothing else, for, for one thing that he told me, he'd asked me to preach on a Sunday morning, probably about 180 people there that Sunday, you know, 23 years old, not a good communicator, not had much practice. And I stood up and preached, and I told him everything I knew in seven minutes. No, no, no. I told him everything I knew twice in seven minutes. And it, it was probably theologically inaccurate, and, and it was, I mean, it was a nightmare. And I was so discouraged, battles on the outside, fears on the inside. And Pastor Dave took me by the side and said, he, he just said, I'm so proud of you. You're going you're to pastor a great church one day. Listen to me. You'll never know what God can set in motion with a single word of encouragement. I would not, I'm telling you, I would not be your pastor today if it were not for Dave Daniels speaking words of life over me. Some, you know, probably the most common uh, thing that I hear from women concerning their marriage is that my husband is not being the spiritual leader in our home. And can I just, can I just help you wives? You know what your husband needs? He needs encouragement. He does he doesn't need to be nibbled to death like a duck by telling him what he's not good at and nagging him and, and barking at him. He needs to know that he 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 needs he needs to know that he that he's your man, that that he that he has your back, that you have his back. He he we are different we need encouragement. We and so this is you you want him to be the spiritual leader, just ask him to pray over the mill. And maybe don't ask him, be whatever you want to do. But even if he prays, if he goes, let's rub it dub the. Thank God for this grub. You you know what I want you to do? I want you to to get close to him and blow in his ear. And I want want you to tell him that is the greatest prayer I've ever heard. I feel closer to you and feel closer to God than I ever have. Just tickle him on his neck. Just tell him he's the greatest. I'm telling you, you'll never know what God can set in motion with one word, of encouragement. The next time he will pray, he might he might pray rub a dub dub. Thank God for the grub. But he'll, then he'll make good food, good meat, good God. Let's eat. it'll, it'll just it'll just keep getting better and better and better because you never know what God can set in motion by one single word of encouragement. Pastor Trevor, will you come out and get 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 ready to play? And and uh, you know, I've known Trevor since he was. Bring that stool with you, will you, and sit right here for a minute. I've known Trevor since he was 12 years old, so that's a long time, and uh, he, I've seen him grow from a little <coughs> <laughs> 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 kid, punk, really, <laughs> then he got Jenny, and Jenny made him so much better, but I've seen him every stage of his life, really, and uh, and I'm, I'm so proud of him, and and. And I, I just want you to know, Trevor, I'm closer to God because of you. You've led me in cor- cor- corporate worship since you were 16 years old, and you've helped me enter God's presence like no other person in my life. Your love for Jenny and desire to be a good father to your three kids inspires and motivates me. Your loyalty and commitment to me, the respect and honor you've given me to, for more than two decades of ministry together is rare and refreshing. You have a unique ability to, be, to balance friendship, coworker and boss. You encourage me when I get down. You help me see the big picture when I only see the immediate, immediate. You've stood by me when others would have left. You've talked me off the ledge when I wanted to jump. Trevor, thank you for your ministry, for your giftings, and for most of all, thank you for your friendship. I love you, bro. I'm proud of you, man. peace mean it from my heart. Bless you. Listen. If you think it, say it. If if it's good, <laughs> <laughs> write it down. Send a note. Be an encourager, because you'll never know what can, God can set in motion with a single word of encouragement. I I have the opportunity. I'm. I've. I told every. You know. I told first, second service. I'm. I'm not old, but I'm older now. And so I, I, I'm in a place where I can speak in the life of younger guys. So I have a group of guys that, that uh, I, I, I mentor and talk to on a regular basis. And they're late 20s, early 30s. They're in ministry, knee deep in it, planting churches, trying to, trying to be. And and, and he, he, here's and I got, again, I'm going to give credit where credit's due. Stephen Furtick taught me this. He teaches a, ser- he preaches a sermon called The Struggle is the Same. And he said the two most encouraging words that you can give somebody is me too. And, and, and so I got these guys together and, and, you know, they're telling me their struggles and they're telling me their challenges and, and they're telling me what's going on. And, and I've been where they are and, 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 you know, they don't want to hear what they should do or what they could have done or what they might do. They want to, they want to know that somebody can identify with them and somebody's been where they've been, and so I'll tell them my story, and I'll say, you know, it took us almost five years to get to 100, and and we, I know the setting up and tear down, and we know the struggles of not having enough money, and we know the struggles of who's going to show up. We know the struggles of being at a rented facility when you didn't know if the janitor was going to be there to turn the air on or the heat on, or we, we didn't know if the, we just didn't know, and, and, and so I said, they get, they have told me they get more encouragement out of that when, when when I'm able to say, Oh, you've lost a few people, me too. You lost someone that was close to you and, and in your perception when they left they, they 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 hurt you and kind of put a knife in the back of you, me too. You 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 struggle with with your ability to lead, me too. You you wrestle with 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 if you're doing a good job or if you're really meeting the needs of the people, me too. You, you don't know what the future holds you. Me too. I, there is such life in those words of, of me too where we just come alongside. Can, can I just encourage us to be a church that says me too, that, that we don't look like the Pharisees who point our finger at everybody and try to tell everybody how bad they are and how good we are, but that we just come, the two most encouraging words you can use are just me too. You, you struggle in your prayer time. Me too. You, you have a hard time understanding your Bible sometimes? Me too. You, you wanted to cuss somebody out in traffic this week? Me too. You yelled at your kids? Me too. You, you yelled at them on the way to work, on the way to church this morning? Me too. You, you had a fight with your wife? Me too, be encouraged. Me too. We, we all have the same struggles. We all have the same issues. And it, oh, you're somebody brought a dozen donuts, Krispy Kreme donuts to work, and you were just gonna eat one out of them, but you ended up eating six of them. Me too. We we all if we would just if we would just be a, a voice of, we don't want to be like the Pharisees. We want to be like Jesus, who in the very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. And he took the form of a servant and was found an appearance of a man. And he humbled himself. And he came to earth. And he went through the temptations. And he went through the challenges. And he went through the struggles. And he felt the pain. And he knows the hurt. So he could say, me too. You're tempted. Me too. You struggled. Me too. You hurt. Me too. Therefore, we have a high priest who is able to sympathize with our weakness, and we can approach the throne room of of grace with confidence that we might find help in time of need, because we don't got a God telling us how bad we are. We've got a God that became one of us, that went through life's struggles, that went through life's challenges. The only difference was he did not sin, but he knows the pain, and he knows the hurt, and he's able to say, me too. Here's what Paul said. Paul said, when we arrived in Macedonia, there was no rest, Outside there was conflict, and inside there was fear. But God, who encourages those who are discouraged, encouraged us by the arrival arrival of Titus. God's an encouraging God. Sometimes you got to encourage yourself in the Lord. And thirdly, be an encourager, because you'll never know What God can put in motion with a single word of encouragement. Amen, everybody.